I had a best friend growing up. Maybe you did too, but I had a best, best friend. Like we grew up together our whole lives. As, as long as I can remember remembering, he was part of my life, right? And so uh, he lived a couple blocks from me most of the time growing up. And so we were best friends. We played Dukes of Hazard together. That's how good of friends we were, you know. Batman and Robin together. That's how, you know, we were close friends. And so in eighth grade, uh, eighth grade had just begun and uh, we went to the same church together and everything. And it was a Sunday right after church. I remember it very, very clearly. And um, we had a conversation. And then I punched him in the face. It's true. Punched him right in the face, right? On Sunday. Even on, even on Sunday. Punched him right in the face. Now, if you're a guy in here, for sure, you already know why I punched him in the face. Why? A girl, obviously. Right, see? Thank you. It was like no question. All the guys were like, yeah, it had to be a girl. Yeah. Um, so it, right at the be- end of the summer, I finally gathered up the courage to ask this girl, Michelle, out, sort of out. So I asked her, some of you who've been around, you'll think this is really funny. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but some of you think this is really funny. I asked her out to a White Heart concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, Shockingly, she said yes, and so she came with me, and it was a youth group thing, and so, you know, I was only in eighth grade, so. So anyway, she came with me, we had a great time, the whole thing was great, until the very end, we're in the parking lot getting ready to go home, and my best friend walks up to her and says, hi, can I have your phone number? I'd like to give you a call sometime. Yeah. Have you ever been betrayed? You ever been betrayed like that? You ever been really betrayed? Now that was, like we got over that. I punched him and it was all good, right? You know, because that's how guys work. But sometimes we get really betrayed, right? By people who we really believe in, who we have a close relationship with. There's a quote here, I think, maybe. Yes, from William Blake. It's easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend. Sometimes that's true, isn't it? Because sometimes people are so close to us, and then when they hurt us, it hurts even more. You know what I'm talking about? So today I want to talk about a a relationship. I want to talk about a betrayal. I want to talk about this sort of, the worst of the worst of this. But, and and you know the story, but I want to really help you understand what's really happening here. So, um, next slide, thank you. So every story has two sides, and this one's no different. So we're going to pick up in uh, Mark chapter 14. It begins to tell us the story. We just walked through Easter. We just talked about all that that means. And this is right, right during what we call the Last Supper. Now, of course, the people there didn't know it was the Last Supper of Jesus, just like most of us don't get a chance to know when it's our Last Supper. Jesus probably did. But Jesus is having this conversation. It's just a dinner. It's a Passover dinner. And so it's a, it's a special dinner, but... They don't really know exactly what's happening. So Jesus says, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, and he's quoting here from some of the Old Testament scriptures, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And then Peter says to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter, Jesus replied, the truth is, This very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me, how many times? Three times. Now listen to Peter's response. No, Peter insisted. Not even if I have to die with you. I will never deny you. Never deny you. Okay? Promise. 
Peter makes a promise. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Now, if you have a close friend, you sort of know what it's like to really be close to someone. But this relationship between Peter and Jesus is in particularly an important and powerful relationship. So I want to talk about this. A lot of us know who Jesus is because we've been talking about Jesus some. But sometimes we get confused. Maybe you see a picture like this. Okay, maybe you see that picture. Jesus, white, blonde hair, blue eyes. This is not who Jesus really is, right? That's not what Jesus looked like. Jesus was a Jew. Um, and in particular, from that part of the country, it means he probably had olive skin, darker skin. He probably had dark hair and dark eyes. He probably did have a beard and probably did have longer hair. But Jesus was a Jew, and he was a, we know if we read the Gospels that Jesus wasn't just a sort of Jew. He was a, a very devout Jew. He and his family were, were very much, they practiced all the festivals. And in, in Jesus' day, they had discovered that in the, what we call the Old Testament, there were 613 different laws, 613. Now, we can't even remember Ten Commandments, but there were 613 of them, and they tried to follow all of them. 365 of them are negative, like... You shall not kill. That's a negative. And the rest are all positive, like honor your father and mother. So things you should do, things you shouldn't do. 613, and, and they tried to follow them all. In fact, some people have actually gone through the whole Bible, all the Gospels that talk about Jesus' life, and tried to see how Jesus actually lived all of those commands. That's a lot, right? 613. So Jesus was a Jew, but he wasn't just a Jew. He was a Jewish rabbi. And this is in particular very important to our story. Now, we take the word rabbi and we translate it most of the time as, anybody know? Teacher. teacher. But it's more, rabbi is more than just a teacher like we think of it. Like for most of us, we go to a teacher for a specific subject. Like you go to somebody for math. You never come to me for math because they would fail every time. And you go to somebody else for science and somebody else for, right? That's how we do it in our system. In Jesus' day, it was a lot different. And just to sort of explain this, I want to explain a little bit of their education system. I won't take too long on this. But there are three main steps in their education system. The first is, is what, sort of what we would consider elementary age, five or six years old to about 11 years old. And it's called, they called it Bet Sefer. You can say Sefer if you want. It's kind of fun. Sefer, try it. Okay. And uh, during the stage of education, you would memorize the first five books of the Bible. They called it the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, you would memorize those five books. And, and part of that process was you would go to the synagogue and the rabbi would help you. That's part of the rabbi's job was to help you. And you would memorize those five books. And you, through that, you would learn to read and write. You would learn math. You would learn geography. You would learn history. They had all these kind of, some science. They had some fascinating ways they taught all these things through the Torah. If you're a girl and you know who you are, this is the only stage of education that you would go to. I'm sorry, that's not my fault. That's the way it was then. And also, if you're a girl, you wouldn't just memorize those first five books. You would also memorize the worship passages from the Psalms and from some of the prophets. Because in that day, once you finished that, ladies, at about 11 or 12, you would go into the home and learn with your mom. And you would, the women in that day led the family in worship. And so it was really important that young girls know that stuff, okay? So that's the first stage of education. And the rabbi of the synagogue would help them do that. The next stage of education, if you did a good job memorizing the first five books and you were a boy, um, then you would go to the next stage, which is called Bet Midrash. And we don't have a long time to talk about this, but basically you learn this Jewish art of asking questions. Basically, um, I was talking to a, a, a Jewish rabbi one time and I said, I would love for you to come into one of my classes sometime and, and talk about you know, this Midrash. And he goes, oh, you want us to teach your kids how to argue? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's right. 
So, but they, they learned this really special way of, of having conversations and asking questions. And then they also, if you were a boy, and you were in the stage of education, you would memorize the rest of what we call the Old Testament. They call it the Tanakh. You would memorize it, okay? Memorize. So the whole Old Testament, by the time you were about 16 or 17 years old, if you were following along education and doing well, you would have the whole Old Testament memorized, okay? Everyone, pretty much everyone, would have at least the first five books memorized, okay? Then the next stage of education, very few people made it to this last stage of education, sort of the best of the best, and they called it Bet Talmud. Talmud is a word that literally translates to our word disciple, but we often don't think of it the same kind of way. So Talmud is a, is a disciple. So the way it works is this. If, say Josh right here, um, say he walked through all the stages of education, okay? And he wanted to, to follow, we'll just say he wants to follow Bill over here. Say Bill is a rabbi. Everybody say hi, Bill. Bill's a rabbi, and uh, he wants to follow Bill. He wants to be a disciple of Bill. So this is what this means. He would go to Bill, and he would say, Bill, I see that you're a very good rabbi. I think I have what it takes to be one of your disciples. Now, this isn't just like to be a student. This means I think I have what it takes to become exactly like you, okay? So look at your neighbor. Go ahead, look at him. What's it going to take for you to become just like them? Imagine for a second, okay? (laughs) You should be laughing. Imagine for a second that I just knocked that over. Imagine for a second how long it would take to really invest in someone long enough for them to be like you. So in Jesus' day, this stage of education, I'm going to move out of the way. In Jesus' day, this stage of education usually took 10 to 15 years. Right, to become like this. And what, it mean, what it would mean is Josh would leave everything else behind and he would follow Bill everywhere Bill went. Now, just imagine for a second, all of you for a second, imagine you're a rabbi, okay? Just imagine. Say you know all 613 laws, you got the whole Testament memorized. You're doing your best to live your life in such a way that you, your life literally reflects every word in the, in the scripture, Okay? You're doing that. Now imagine for a second that somebody wants to become like you and they're willing to follow you around everywhere you go, okay? Now, some of us are kind of like, well, that'd be kind of fun, you know, we could invest in somebody. (laughs) And then you think, wait a minute. Everywhere you go, everywhere, like when you take a nap, they take a nap. When you get up, they get up. When you... When you eat, they eat. When you take a time to go to the shower, they go take a shower. When they, everywhere you go, they're there. Now, are you tired of them yet? You should be. <laughs> right? So can you imagine? So this is a huge investment. Now, there's one other thing you need to know. Jesus was a rabbi with authority. Now, this is a, a special kind of rabbi. There are very, very few of these. Well, all, from what we can tell, there are only about five, four or five in all that we can tell of Jesus' whole lifetime, maybe four or five rabbis like this. These were rabbis who had been given special authority. They'd been seen by others to say they have special authority to teach the Bible in a different way. And they, weren't, they didn't stay in one synagogue. They would travel around to different places and teach. They were sort of rock stars in the Jewish world. Like when they showed up, the whole village would come. You would drop whatever you're doing and come see this person. They were fantastic teachers. They were usually very, very funny, very funny people. It was not uncommon for them to do some miracles, to heal people who were sick. 
Um, they, they loved children. They were great with children. Children loved it when a rabbi with authority came to town. They would flock to them, and they would love to... And so you see that in the Gospels if you pay attention. That's why all these people show up when Jesus comes to town. It wasn't uncommon if you're that kind of a rabbi for that to be sort of that rock star kind of thing. You walk into town, everyone's like, oh, it's him. And they show up. And, and so if you could be a disciple of that kind of a rabbi, you were the best of the best of the best. Okay, you tracking along here? It, it, most of the time, people like Josh would go to a rabbi like Bill and they would say, I, I want to follow you. And, and Bill would ask you some questions. He would say, okay, well, let's just talk about your understanding of, of the law for a minute. So um, in Jeremiah, there are seven ways that he talks about observing the Sabbath. Can you tell me what those are and tell me your interpretation of those? And so Josh would go through the whole thing and then most of the time the rabbi would say, oh, well, that's good. That, you clearly have learned the text, but bless you, go and learn your father's business. And that's what most people would do. They would go and learn their father's business. And there's no shame in that. That's Again, that's almost everybody. But the very few got to be this kind of a disciple, okay, who could follow a rabbi with authority. Now, we know a few things. We know that Jesus called disciples, right? Now, most of the time, like I mentioned, the, the disciple would go to the rabbi, there's only two rabbis we know of in all of history that called disciples, and Jesus was one of them. And Jesus went, we know some of the stories you can read in the beginning of the Gospels where Jesus would say, come, I'll make you fishers of men. You know, there's this whole thing. Now, here's the thing. Stay with me one more second, and then we'll, we'll get moving here a little faster. There were two words a rabbi would say when he would call a disciple. He never uttered these words unless he was calling a disciple, and he would say this. He would say these two words, follow me. Now, it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to go over here. Why don't you follow behind me? It was leave everything else behind and come and learn what it's like to be me, to learn my very character, to laugh at the things that I laugh at, to, to cry at the things that break my heart. Learn what that's like. And so Jesus uttered these words we know to these 12, right? We know that, 12 disciples. Peter was one of them. If you remember... Jesus said this, follow me to Peter and his brother. Follow me. And, and they left everything. They left their nets. They were fishing. They were with their father. And why were they fishing? Because apparently, whatever else they had been around had told them they weren't good enough. But here they are. Follow me. So they follow Jesus. This is a huge honor. So they follow him. You're starting to see how this relationship is maybe a little different. And then you remember Peter's promise that we just read, right? What did he say? I will never, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. See, because in this relationship, if you ever denied your rabbi, it was the worst thing you could ever do. In fact, just to give you a snapshot of this, Orthodox Jews still practice this kind of model. And a few years ago, a very famous rabbi who's written a lot of things and taught a lot of important institutions and on and on, he had a disciple who wrote a book that came out and contradicted a lot of his teachings. And so somebody asked him, they said, Rabbi, what do you think of this disciple? And so he started to quote Isaiah chapter one. And if you know that chapter, it basically says this, I, I, I raised up these children and they have turned away from me. And guess what? Doom and destruction are coming on them. <laughs> That's what the rabbi said. And that was... He had every right to say that about his disciple who turned on him. This was 
such a close relationship. So we pick up the story again, I think. Okay, go ahead, next one, thanks. Simon Peter follows behind. Now, where this is in the story, Jesus has been arrested. And if you remember the story, one of his disciples, other disciples betrayed him, right? Judas. And they've arrested Jesus. And so the disciples sort of scattered in the arrest. And so here's Peter and at least one other disciple. Now, the, the language is really important. Simon Peter, what is he doing? He follows along behind. He's trying to stay as close as he can to his rabbi as did another of the disciples. The other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed into the courtyard. That's where Jesus was being kept. Peter stood outside the gate, and the other disciple spoke to a woman, it's all about who you know, watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. You with me? Okay. The woman asked Peter, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? No, he said, I am not. First time. This is... Now, Peter didn't accidentally say, I am not. Remember, he's been living with Jesus, following him everywhere he's gone. I see him do miracles. He's seen him teach. He's seen him do all these things. And all of a sudden, I am not. Now, again, a little, little further along. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing by the fire. They asked him again, aren't you one of his disciples? I am not, he said. And again, keep going. One of the household servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? And again, Peter denied it. And what happens right then? The rooster crows. Remember Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, I am not, I am not, I am not. Aren't you with him? I am not, I am not, I am not. This is the ultimate betrayal, the ultimate break of relationship. Can you imagine how Peter felt? What if you were Peter? What if you were trying your hardest to follow this rabbi, and all of a sudden this stuff just starts falling apart around you? You don't know what to do, and you've promised him. You remember, I promised him I won't ever leave him. I, if you read the Gospels, Peter seems to be the one who wants to stay as close as possible to Jesus. And here he is three times. I am not. I am not. I am not. Have you ever let anybody down? I don't just mean like I was five minutes late, but have you ever really let somebody down when you know you promised something and you just didn't deliver? Magnify that times maybe a 10 or 100, and here's Peter letting down. He had given his whole life. He said, this will be my life. And now he knows by all accounts what is deserved to him is that Jesus would never speak to him ever again. Now we know the story. If you keep advancing it, we know the story. Jesus does die. And then as we celebrated last week, Jesus is raised to life, right? And so can you imagine all these emotions in Peter for a second? I denied him, and now he's alive again. He really is the one he said he would be. Where do I stand with this Jesus? Where, where, where is, how is he going to receive me? Now if we can pause in the story for a second. 
and just ask some questions about us. Are we that different than Peter? See, I, I think often we deny him when we choose our way over his way. I think we deny him when we choose ourselves over other people. I think we deny him when we try to take control of our lives. When we say, eh, I don't know if I trust you. I got this. <laughs> I, and even, even when we try our hardest on our own, what happens, just like with Peter, I won't ever do that. And then we find ourselves living right into the thing we promised we would never do. So the story continues. Jesus is raised from the dead. He's made a, a few appearances with the disciples, but he's never really gotten some, as best we can tell, some time with just Peter. Peter's never really been able to sort of figure out where he stands in this whole equation. And so the story tells us that they're out fishing again. They've gone back to the thing that they started with, the thing they knew from the beginning, fishing. So they're out fishing, and they're in the boat, not catching anything, and Jesus says, shows up on the shore, says, throw your nets on the other side. They catch more than they could barely hold. They realize it's Jesus. They come ashore. And there's this kind of cool scene where Jesus fixes them breakfast. <laughs> and, uh, and then this account happens. So it starts out like this. Go ahead, next one. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. So he calls him by name. Make sure you know exactly I'm talking to you. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. And feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. And take care of my sheep, said Jesus. One more time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, let me pause for a second. We're going to, Pick this up. There's a little more going on here, but I want to pause right here. Do you, do you see what's happening here? Can you imagine if you're Peter and you're not sure where you stand? And Jesus says, hey, Simon. Hey, Simon Peter. He calls you by name and make sure you know he's talking directly to you. And by saying his father's name, he's sort of saying, look, I don't just know you. I know your past. I know everything about you. And then he says, do you love me? Now, how many times has he asked that question? three times. Now, can you imagine if you're Peter trying to figure this out? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. So can you imagine? That there's this, it says the third time Peter was grieved because I think Peter was still asking this like, okay, so are you just making sure I know <laughs> that you know that I let you down three times? Is this it? Is this where you're finally just going to say, now get away from me? Because Jesus keeps saying this, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. And this is, this is not an accidental phrase. See, because a rabbi's job was to be a shepherd. This goes all the way back to Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, all these passages in Psalm that say that part of your job is to take care of my people, to teach them, to love them, to show them. Those who are lost, you need to go after. Those who are hurt, you need to help. Those who are sick, you need to heal. Those are the things you need to do. And so Peter's task as a disciple before he betrayed Jesus was thinking, I'm learning how to be a shepherd. That would have 
been totally the language they would have adopted. They would have understood that from the beginning. And so when Jesus is saying, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep, what he's saying is this, I want you not just to know that you're forgiven, but I want you to start doing the very things I was teaching you to do in the first place. (laughs) Then it continues, stay with me. Truth is, when you were young, you were able to do as you like and go wherever you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands. Others will direct you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said to them, let them know what kind of death you would die to glorify God. And he's basically saying this, look, I know where this is going to wind up. You are going to die. It's not going to be great. But then, listen, then he says this. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Do you see the words again? The two most powerful words a rabbi could say. Follow me. Here it is. Here it is. Look, have you betrayed me? Sure. Have you denied me? Yes. Do I have every right to punch you in the face (laughs) like I did my friend in eighth grade? No. He has right to never talk to him again, to disown him in every way possible. But what does he do instead? He says, follow me. In case we weren't clear, in case I wasn't clear, Yeah, I know what you did. But I still believe in you. I believe you have what it takes to become like me. I believe you have what it takes to make a difference in this world. I believe you have what it takes to be a shepherd. So come, follow me. Can you imagine Peter's reaction? Failure? Yep, I get that. Do you get that? I get that. I I understand what that's like to make promises that I can't keep, especially to God. I understand what it's like to to maybe start trying really hard and then to fall down. Can you imagine what Peter felt in that moment? No matter where you are or what you've done, no matter for any of us in here where we are, what we've done, you know that Jesus loves you that he calls you. If you're hearing this today, he's saying, come, follow me. He believes in you. He believes you have what it takes to be like him. Now, not on your own. You need to depend on him. But you have what it takes. Jesus is ready to empower you, to walk with you, to help you as you help others. Now, some of us in here might be in this place where we're sort of searching, asking questions like, I don't really know if I'm even like Peter at all. I'm not even sure I... I love Jesus. I'm not sure I'm ready to follow him. Can I just maybe ask you this? What if you started just trusting? What if you just tried it? What if you just tried to trust him? For, just try to follow him for a little bit. Now, what does that look like? Let me be really clear. It doesn't look like this. Like, it doesn't look like God's just waiting for you to mess up, make one small mistake, and then squish you. If you're a parent, you really get this. Some of the rest of us will get it too, but if you're a parent, you really get this. When your kid is learning to walk, when your child is learning to walk for the first time, do they fall down? All the time, right? And when they fall down the first time, you don't say, you're stupid, why did you do that? Don't even get up, right? You would, what, what parent would ever? And that's exactly what, part of what, when, when God's calling, it's like when we're learning to walk, we're learning what it means to follow him. So yes, we're gonna fall down, but every time, what do you do as a parent? As soon as your kid falls down, you help him stand up again and say, come on, you can do it. Come on, come on, you can do it. And if you're in this place where you're like, I don't really know if this is for me, can I say to you, just try it. 
And know that you, you serve a God who's waiting to pick you up again and again. How many times does it take for a kid to fall down before they learn to walk? I still fall down, right? <laughs> That's, that should be not as funny as it is. But, <laughs> but God is saying, come on, get up, get up. That's the kind of God we follow. The God who's able, yes, to know our weaknesses, yes, to know when we fall down, but still to say to us, get up, it's okay. And can I say, just to be really, really frank with you, I've been a part of church my whole life, and so I'm gonna apologize on behalf of the church. And I really don't have the right to do this, but I'm going to anyway. Sometimes the church is kind of dumb. <laughs> and, and we tell people, okay, you fell down, but you fell down in the wrong way, so you, you don't count anymore. Or you really messed up, so you better, you better do a whole bunch of good things before you can. But can, can I just say to you, that's not Jesus. He had every right, he had every opportunity. If anybody he could have turned away from, it was Peter. And everybody, the whole culture, everything told him that would have been fine. But you see what he's saying? Come follow me, feed my sheep, stand up, it's okay. Get up, I believe in you, you can do this. For some of us, we've maybe fallen down a few times. And maybe for some of us, we've fallen down in some pretty big ways. Maybe it's in our personal relationships, maybe it's in our relationship with Christ. Maybe one time we were really devout in some kind of way, and, and now maybe we feel like we've just sort of fallen behind and all that. Can I just say to you that, do you see the picture of Jesus extending his hand and saying, get up, follow me, come on, let's go, it's okay. Just let's keep taking a step, one step after another. Let's go. Doesn't mean tomorrow you have to be perfect. Doesn't mean that tomorrow you have to do everything right. Doesn't mean tomorrow you have to be just like Max. <laughs> what it means is, <laughs> What it means is you get up and you do your best. And as you give him your best, as you do whatever that means for you today, you start trusting him to help you as you follow. Hear me say this. Hear Jesus say this. He believes in you. Follow me. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing a little bit. We're, we're gonna have some time to worship two or three songs when we're finished here. And this is what I'd like you to do in that time, um, to take some time and just ask that question. God, where, where am I? Have I? Am I really trusting you? Maybe for some of us, we've, we've pushed away because we've fallen down. We sort of feel like, I don't, I don't know if I belong here. Maybe for some of us, we need to ask God, what's the next step for me? And for some of us, it's just getting up again. Say, I'm going to try. For some of us, maybe it means taking the next step and just saying, just like Jesus was a shepherd, that part of my job is to begin to help other people around me. Not because I'm perfect, not because I got it figured out, but just because maybe I've, I'm one step ahead <laughs> or I've, I've been where they are and I can just tell them my story. But the question is are you willing to follow? Because he's forgiven you. The work's done. He's already asked, come follow me. The question is, will you trust him?